This is a podcast from the Business Times. Hi there, everyone. I'm Genevieve Kwok, Wealth Editor of the Business Times and host of this podcast, Wealth with BT. Today, we're going to talk about traditional insurance car plans, always a favorite among Singaporeans. If you hold an endowment or a whole life plan, you would have received your PAR fund update. This year, the performance of insurers' life funds was the worst in the past five years. But maybe that should not be a surprise. For some firms, the investment loss was in double digits. In my compilation of life funds' performance, about half saw returns drop by 13 to 14%. What does this mean for your own policy? If you are considering putting money in a PAR product as a savings plan, how attractive are they? Let's backtrack a little. Most likely, you're already familiar with how PAR plans work. Traditional participating or PAR plans are those that generally have medium to long-term savings as their main objective. PAR means you participate in the collective experience of the insurer's life fund. In this fund, the insurer pulls premiums of PAR policies together to invest in a mix of mainly bonds and some equities. Some life funds also invest in real estate and loans. In the market, you'll also find non-PAR products, where returns are fixed, usually over a period of three to five years. These products are managed separately from the life fund. In a PAR policy, Returns are smoothed. This means that insurers have discretion on how much to distribute as bonuses or dividends every year. On the face of it, your returns will be pretty steady because the smoothing mechanism shields you from market volatility. But this doesn't mean there is no volatility at all. What happens is this. In a strong year, not all surpluses are distributed. Some are held back in reserve so that in a poor year, the firm can still pay you a comparable level of bonuses. The discretion insurers exercise, however, doesn't mean the bonus decision is based on whim. Life funds are managed conservatively to ensure that as much as possible, all projected returns, guaranteed and non-guaranteed, are met. Even for the non-guaranteed component, like bonuses, the companies try to fulfill original projections. What you need to be assured of is that the projected return, which you are told in policy illustrations before you invest, is grounded in the long-term view of what asset markets would realistically deliver, both historically and in the future. Now let's look at 2022. What a poor year that was. Last year, the Fed began a very aggressive cycle of interest rate hikes to dampen inflation. This development was like an earthquake for equity and bond markets. Both fell by double digits. Global bonds in particular were a sore disappointment because bond prices move in the opposite direction of interest rates. The value of many bonds fell substantially on a mark-to-market basis. So last year, bonds failed in their role to counterbalance equities in the portfolio. Based on the MSCI World Index, Global equities fell by around 17%. 
bonds using the Bloomberg Aggregate Index fell by around 13%. This was a big factor in the poor returns of life funds because bonds' share of the portfolio is big, ranging from 50 to 75%. Equities' share is far smaller, at 14 to 33%. Among life funds, the strongest performer for 2022 was Manulife, which lost 7.4%. At the lowest end was HSBC Life, whose fund lost around 14%. I had started this year fully expecting cuts in bonus rates. But surprisingly, not all insurers cut bonuses. In short, we're seeing PAR funds smoothing mechanism at work. This is a good thing. Manulife, Income, and Prudential maintained their annual bonus rates. Great Eastern, AIA, Sing Life, and TM Asia have either cut their annual bonus rates or reduced the terminal bonus, which is paid when plans mature. How should you think about this development? Here's my take. First, markets are volatile. In fact, It seems in recent years that market and economic cycles have shortened and volatility feels very intense. This year, the U.S. market's returns were very strong, especially for big tech stocks, which include Meta or Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google or Alphabet. Risk appetite rose as lower inflation data raised expectations that the Fed would pause their rate hikes even though some analysts still expect one more hike this year. What's more, the U.S. economy seems resilient, which raised hopes that maybe the U.S. can manage a soft landing. Lately, of course, uncertainty about China's economic outlook is an overhang. Still, returns this year remain strong. Two, it's important to take a long-term view and keep your savings goal in mind. The traditional roles of equities and bonds were overturned last year, which made many investors question the value of a balanced portfolio. But I think 2022 was an outlier. The pace of rate hikes was extraordinary. Between March last year and July this year, there were 11 rate adjustments. Anyway, this year, it looks like the roles of stocks and bonds have reverted to normal. Year-to-date, up to mid-August, the S&P 500 was up by nearly 14%. Bonds were down by about 2.5%. It's very likely that next year when you read your PAR fund update, your life fund would be back in the black. More to come. Is a bundled savings product, protection plus investment, worth your while? How significant is the poor performance of 2022? Lens on Singapore, a monthly podcast series from the Business Times podcast team on current affairs, societal issues, and government policies explored through the lens of how it impacts us here in Singapore and in the region, anchored by Clarissa Montero and Howie Lim, every third Monday of the month. And now, back to Wealth BT from the Business Times. We were just discussing how you can size up the returns of par insurance funds in 2022. I've made the point that volatility is elevated, and some conditions in 2022 made the year an outlier. 
The third point is that by investing in a PAR product, you entrust the asset allocation to the insurer. On your part, you'll need to faithfully pay premiums for the turn or hold on if you made a lump sum investment. This is because you typically will not break even on your premiums if you redeem your plan too early. You end up losing capital. Many costs, like distribution, are deducted up front. The break-even point, or the point at which the surrender value is equal to the premiums paid so far, is usually very long, more than 15 years if you have a 20-year endowment plan. The thing to note is that despite a very poor showing last year, the longer-term return is likely still okay. I say likely because not all insurers disclose their PAR fund returns for longer periods of 5 to 10 years. For the two insurers that do disclose such numbers, the 10-year return is still positive. For Prudential, 5-year annual returns came to 1.1%, and the 10-year return is at 3.5%. For Great Eastern, the 5-year annual return was just over 2%, and 10 years was 3.6%. Four, I think markets are at an inflection point. For many years, interest rates were very low, almost zero. This has made it very challenging for insurance funds because the yields on their bond investments were low. This makes it harder to meet projected bonus and return rates, especially for policies that were incepted at a time when rates were higher. Now that interest rates are much higher, bond yields have also risen. This is a silver lining. When life funds' bond holdings mature, the proceeds can be reinvested at higher rates, which will help meet projected returns. It's also possible that your PAR product could eventually pay higher bonuses at maturity in the form of the terminal bonus, particularly if markets are strong towards the later years of a PAR plan. The terminal bonus is distributed at the end of the policy to reward you for staying invested. In the past, some insurers have also paid out higher special bonuses to reflect stronger-than-expected returns. Here's the bottom line, at least for me. I've often written negatively about PAR products for a few reasons. One reason is the inherently higher costs, such as distribution charges, and mortality or insurance charges. The fact is, there are now much more efficient ways to invest. There are robo-platforms to enable you to invest regularly in a very low-cost portfolio of index funds, matching your risk appetite, and a portion of the annual management fee is rebated back to you. As for protection, you can buy a pure protection policy cheaply. Unbundling the protection from investment gives you the flexibility to reduce the cover eventually when you need less of it without the fear of losing capital, which happens when you prematurely terminate a PAR plan. But all this is not to say PAR plans are bad. I myself invested in a PAR endowment many years ago when my kids were young, a savings for the kids' university fees. Yes, the policy matured, and I was not unhappy with the value. I also have friends who invested significantly in PAR products for savings because of their low-risk profile. 
the policy is matured, and my friends are happy. I believe the main principles, whether you put money into a power plan or a market portfolio, are to stay balanced or diversified and stay invested for the long term. Staying invested enables you to harness the power of compounding returns, especially if dividends and income are reinvested. Some allocation into par products could form part of your low-risk savings bucket, but it's best not to put all your funds into par products, though, because how bonuses are distributed is still not very transparent. If you put the bulk of your savings into par products. You also end up being too reliant on the insurer's experience and on a conservative asset allocation. Ultimately, too, par policies may not beat inflation, since a portfolio of mainly bonds limits your exposure to growth assets. Your maturity value could be disappointing if you count on only one bucket to meet your savings goal. Through the years, some policyholders have gotten in touch with me now and then. To express unhappiness about their par policies, they matured at values much lower than what they were first led to expect. I empathize with this, but it's often very hard to pin down the reasons for why policies mature at disappointing values, especially if they were incepted many years ago. Incomplete disclosure could be a factor, especially if you bought the plans at a time when disclosure rules were lax. Or you might have misunderstood what you were buying into. Through the years, the insurer might also have reduced bonuses several times. The bottom line is being diversified in terms of where you invest your savings is always a prudent thing. With diversification, you may not beat market returns, but neither would you fare much worse than the market. I hope you found this episode helpful. Until the next episode, thank you for listening. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg/podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.